around 400 kilos a day. Yeah, and this was shipped on a daily basis, so that uh, gives you uh, an idea of the importance of the, the production uh, means. And we had to make some seizures that included drugs, cars, cash, and others. So we had more than 200 police officers in, in the action day. Welcome to the Europol podcast, the official podcast of the EU Agency for Law Enforcement Cooperation. In this series, we shine a light on some of the biggest operations Europol has supported and how we continue to fight organized crime. Today's episode, Catching Cocaine Traffickers. Drug trafficking by sophisticated criminal networks is a major threat to public safety in the EU. Going after these networks is a top priority for Europol. In fact, Europol was first established as the Europol Drugs Unit in Strasbourg way back in 1993. In the almost 30 years that have passed since then, Europol has recorded several major successes in helping countries track down international drug trafficking rings. This episode is about one such case, when Europol worked with authorities in Europe, Latin America and the United States to derail an organized crime group who were shipping cocaine worldwide. Cocaine represents the second largest illegal drugs market in Europe after cannabis. Research by Europol and the European Monitoring Centre for Drugs and Drug Addiction, or EMCDDA, valued Europe's cocaine market at 10.5 billion euros in 2020. The research also found that both the quantity and quality of cocaine in Europe is also on the rise. It is becoming stronger, more widely available and more affordable. In fact, Europol's serious and organized crime threat assessment has recorded that nearly 40% of the criminal networks operating at the international level are active in drug trafficking. This shows it is a key revenue stream for organized crime, one that's coming at the expense of public health and security, both inside and outside Europe. So my name is Bruno. I'm an operational uh, analyst here at Europol for the last three years. But uh, I worked previously for Europol uh, as a liaison officer in the drugs uh, field also. Bruno is from Europol's serious and organized crime center. Before joining Europol here in The Hague, Bruno was conducting investigations in his home country, hunting drug traffickers and similar types of illicit networks. He's been doing this for over 15 years, and so he knows a lot about modern narcotics trafficking. Let Bruno take you through some numbers. So basically you have one kilo of cocaine that is produced for around $1,000. Then it is sold to uh, the buyers, uh, European buyers, for something like, including the cost of kind of insurance, 7000 8000 Once it this product uh, reaches the, the European market, then it's uh, immediately the price rise to 28,000. And if we go down to the street value, each of these kilos can be adulterated by some cutting agents, which 
depending uh, depending on the honesty of your dealer <laughs> it can it can cut the this kilo into two three four maybe it tends to be four maximum now the, back in the days maybe 10 years ago you would have a uh, six kilos made out of one kilos so you don't find this low level cocaine uh, on the streets anymore now bear in mind that each gram individually will sell for 40 euros on the street this creates vast revenues for criminal networks. And what's more, the markets are evolving. European organized crime is collaborating more and more with international criminal groups, leading to record levels of drug availability, rising violence and corruption, and greater health problems. However, law enforcement can respond in kind, with closer international coordination against traffickers and with greater partnerships with the producer and transit countries. And that's exactly what happened in the case we're looking at in this episode. This whole case started uh, with the one picture sent by the, the main supplier to one of his associates. And uh, it was a picture of a container with the container uh, number that could be read very, very clearly. It's spring 2021, and Europol agents are combing through the data from an encrypted messaging network used by criminals, which was called Sky ECC. The network had been pulled offline by Europol and our partners earlier in that year. The agents didn't know it immediately, but this one photo is going to lead to one of Europol's biggest ever drug busts. <laughs> So he was sending this, uh, this container uh, to one of his friends and uh, a second picture was a handwritten note uh, with a list of names like Louis Vuitton and stuff like this, which are commonly known uh, for being stamps that are engraved on the cocaine bricks. And uh, some, the little sum on the side of this name was a mentioning 10,000. So we immediately believed that it could be 10,000 kilos uh, shipment uh, that was going to be sent in this container from which we had the number. Armed with this lead, the next task was to get confirmation on the nature of this shipment, which ultimately arrived in Belgium and was then checked by Belgian customs. They checked and uh, intercepted the container on the 2nd of April. Indeed, uh, the 10,000 expected uh, kilos of uh, cocaine that were um, hidden in the uh, container, in the shipment, sorry, of, um, of a leather. It was a, a leather legal shipment. An immediate blow to the criminals. A shipment of cocaine worth hundreds of thousands of euros which they tried to hide in leather, had been successfully intercepted. But this was just the beginning of the investigation. So, but we, we obviously worked, worked on the South American and, uh, networks or self, and uh, we could quite quickly identify the previous shipments that were sent uh, to other European countries. And... Um, I think, uh, well, I'm pretty sure actually, that the, the total amount of cocaine sent in the period of four months was uh, 22 tons. He's selling it directly because he has no intermediary. He's selling it directly to Europe for 28,000. 
So it turned out that the 10,000 kilo shipment wasn't the group's first. Through the Sky ECC data, investigators uncovered that the criminal group had in fact shifted a huge amount of cocaine between late 2020 and April 2021. They'd be making astronomical amounts of illicit profits and were freely communicating via encrypted messenger apps to plan it all. But what the criminals didn't know was that Europol and an international coalition of law enforcement were building up a case against them. Experts from Europol and the participating national police forces continued to comb through the encrypted messages of the organised crime group. Over time, they were building a picture of who they were and where they were. But this task became simpler when the person at the head of this organised criminal group made a crucial slip-up. We identified the leader of the, of the Paraguayan group quite immediately because he was uh, stupid enough to send a picture of, uh, well, several pictures of him himself, and also a copy of uh, the ID of his brother. So we had the name of his brother uh, quite early, which led us to him. Uh, in a couple of weeks, he was identified. Leads like these are one of the outcomes when actions led by judicial and law enforcement authorities target encrypted criminal communications. It's called a top-down approach to policing, and it's exactly like what we heard about in our two-parter on Operation Greenlight earlier in the series. By targeting criminal communications networks in particular, law enforcement can actually prevent loss of life and help track down high-value targets, the criminal ringleaders who drive a great deal of modern organised crime. We initiated the, this cooperation uh, as fast as we could. And we found a nice counterpart in the Drug Enforcement Agency of the United States of America. And uh, they were extremely re reactive to the intel that uh, we provided them with. With the DEA on board, Europol, together with the European and US authorities, could pool expertise and intelligence. And additionally, they were already working on the sum of the, of, of the people, but they did not know that it the group was able to ship that much cocaine. Uh, so they were really, really eager to cooperate with us. The combined work of Europol and the DEA soon uncovered the secret of the drug trafficking operation. The head of the group, who was from Paraguay, actually had their own legitimate logistics business. And this had been how he was able to move cocaine in such quantities without detection. In fact, it might surprise you to hear that this is also common practice amongst criminals. And the 2021 Serious Organised Crime Threat Assessment reported that more than 80% of criminal networks use legal business structures as part of their criminal operation. So they had a full fleet of uh, smaller aircraft. Uh around the 14 or 15. So they were flying almost on a daily basis. Uh, so it was around 400 kilos a day. So that uh, gives you uh, an idea of the importance of the, of the production uh, means that they have. As well as his own legitimate logistics company for the shipping, the ringleader was in control of the production too. The guy was always saying that uh, he had several farms and uh, apparently they were very uh, yeah, productive. So large, probably large co uh, cocaine plantation. 
the group uh, was uh, outsourcing the, the production or the cultivation uh, in another South American country, uh, in that case, uh, Bolivia. So coca plant was uh, grown and the cocaine was processed there directly. Then it was shipped to Paraguay uh, by uh, small aircraft, cross the border efficiently and uh, without being detected. The investigation into the trafficking ring had so far uncovered an individual at the top of the organization who appeared to run it all thanks to their own fleet of planes and array of cocaine plantations. However, shipping cocaine usually requires a sizable operation. To make it happen, criminals will work together, providing different services within the production chain. For example, one organized crime group might handle the drug's production while another handles the shipping, and another the money laundering, etc, etc. But modern technology, such as encrypted criminal messaging services, is changing this. The ability to organize the operation from anywhere in the world is leading some to take it on all by themselves. This streamlining of the criminal process is a new trend, one that law enforcement agencies like Europol are following. This is the surprising things in a way because you really do not need a huge amount of people. It's a very limited amount of uh, workers that you need. I would say, wow, a handful. It, it, I think the close associates of the of the main targets, uh, we can count them on the on the fingers of one hand. This small group were taking home huge amounts of money a sum made greater still since there were fewer intermediaries to pay and a workforce unaware of what was really inside their cargo. And when it came to handling all that money, they were planning the money laundering through a simple and publicly available instant messaging app. In my career, uh, more than, as I told you, more than 15 years of experience, I've never seen this kind of message ever before. But you would have something as straightforward as, okay, tomorrow at 12, I will uh, dump you $1 million uh, uh, and the, the street name and the, and, and, and the city plate. The criminals seemed to think that there was no chance they could get caught. Law enforcement needed to get to work on taking this highly lucrative criminal operation down. I could say that the turning point was when we, we really started the cooperation with Europol and with Spain and with Paraguay. Because, again, we were investigating in Brazil, but from the moment that we started the collaboration, not that kind of bureaucratic collaboration, it was the turning point. Ricardo is a senior member of Brazilian law enforcement and he's based here at Europol headquarters in The Hague. My name is Ricardo Saadi. I am the Brazilian liaison officer at Europol. Liaison officers are law enforcement officials who are seconded to Europol from their home country. They build strong international networks on a daily basis and facilitate operational cooperation while representing the interests of their respective countries. The liaison network at Europol is the largest of its kind. Europol facilitated the exchange of information between Brazil, Spain and many different European countries. We could have some analytical support. And on the action day, Europol deployed some officers to Brazil and to Spain. And I can say that the game changer 
was when we was allowed to send the Brazilian police officers to work here at Europol. Ricardo's role in this case was to keep Europol in sync with the law enforcement in Brazil, Spain and elsewhere, ensuring a smooth operation. They were drug dealers for a long, long time. They had very good connections in different countries in South America and Europe. They had contacts in Paraguay, they had contacts in Bolivia, and they had contacts in Colombia in order to buy the drugs. They sent the drug to Brazil, mainly in small planes. After the, the drug arrived in Brazil, they used trucks to transport the drugs to Rio de Janeiro, because this criminal organization, they use different parts in Brazil, but mainly in Rio de Janeiro. They stored the drug in, in some locations close to the port. And when it was possible, they contaminated the containers to, to make the shipments to Europe. It's important to say that they used the encrypted communications to coordinate their activities. By now, the law enforcement team handling the case included authorities in the USA and several European countries such as Spain, as well as Brazil's federal police and Europol. Together, they figured out how a small group had been able to run an industrial-scale cocaine trafficking operation that moved 400 kilos a day. The head of the operation is producing cocaine at his own plantation in Bolivia at the cost of around $1,000 per kilo. He's then using his own legitimate logistics companies, complete with a fleet of light aircraft, for moving the cocaine from Bolivia into Paraguay. From Paraguay, he moves it to the ports of South America by road, mainly in Brazil, but also in places like Argentina. It's hidden at the back of lorries, carrying fruits, vegetables, and similar cargo. From the port, it travels to Europe through another one of his logistics companies, this time on board container ships, with two or three containers being sent to Europe per week. He then unloads in the ports of Europe and sells that $1,000 kilo of cocaine for $28,000. And how would they manage to avoid arrest so far? As well as using encrypted messenger apps and other tools which they thought law enforcement could not get past, there are other means at the disposal of organized crime. A lot of people ask how they can do this without alerting authorities. I could say that in, in all the ports, in the port environment, we have a quite intensive movement of car, trucks, cargo. So it's really difficult to inspect all. And of course, we have corruption in ports. But it's really important to say that's not a problem only from Brazil. We have the same problem in all the world, including other countries in South America and in Europe. Now that law enforcement had found the criminals' modus operandi, they were ready to coordinate an action day. Based off the intelligence, there would be over 90 searches that would be coordinated by the law enforcement team involved in the operation. On the action day, we had more than 200 police officers. But in Brazil, it was in Sao Paulo, in Mato Grosso, Rio de Janeiro, 
Santa Catarina. And as you know, Brazil, it's a huge country. And we had to make some seizures that included drugs, cars, cash, you know. It's important that this criminal organization uh, act in Rio de Janeiro and here we had some areas that are really dangerous. So in this case, on the action day, we had to search in one of these dangerous uh, locations that were dominated by criminals. However, the specialized agents from Brazil's federal police were equipped for whatever the criminals could throw at them. We need to send our operational team, highly trained with the, the specific equipment. But for them, it's another day because they do it every day. We, we had the resistance of the criminals. We believed that they would resist, but not that strong. We have more than five minutes exchanging fire uh, between the police and the criminals. But in the end, it was okay. We could do our work. We had around the third arrests. Uh, we have a lot of seizures that include drugs, cars, firearms, cash, uh, several bank accounts. And during the investigation, we could seize more than nine tons of cocaine. As well as stopping the flow of drugs, the Action Day also took these dangerous traffickers out of the poorer urban areas where they'd been hiding. It's a residential part, unfortunately, the poor, poor parts of Rio de Janeiro. And these parts, they are, they are dominated by the criminals, by, we have militia, we have the drug trafficking. So they provide something to the population uh, in exchange to use that territory to, to make the drug trafficking. Simultaneous actions were being coordinated in places such as Spain and Paraguay. It was really, uh, it was a flawless uh, cooperation. Honestly, uh, they did a fantastic job uh, on, the, on the action days. Uh, they did the searches uh, all around the country. The numbers of arrests uh, in, in Paraguay and the numbers of search and seizures in Paraguay was uh, something I've never seen uh, anywhere else in, in, in the world before. And uh, the achievement in Paraguay was, uh, was such uh, that some of the uh, high-level uh, politicians had to resign also. Cooperation with Spain was, uh, as always, uh, very fruitful and uh, very smooth. So, after months of intensive police work, hundreds of searches and some exchanges of gunfire, the suspects were brought in. 30 people had been arrested, including senior politicians. They were sent to await trial. The action was over. Modern technology, such as the specialized encrypted phones used by the criminals, was key to the modus operandi in the case from this episode. However, police cooperation and Europol's operational support and technical capability is turning the tide against these dangerous, organized criminal groups. I just would like to, to highlight the international cooperation because in some countries, we have some colleagues that they are afraid of this kind of cooperation because they would like to see for only for their countries. But it's really, really important, the international cooperation. We need to be open for the international cooperation. 
If you want to learn more about the state of play in today's drug markets, you can download the European Drug Markets Reports, which are comprehensive drug market overviews produced by the EMCDDA and Europol. The link to the report on cocaine is in the description for this episode. Thanks a lot for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing about this case. If you did, be sure to subscribe, rate and review the show on whatever platform you're using and tell your friends about it on social media. (laughs)